When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. To the Rutgers rant. I'm Steve Politi from NJ Advance Media. As always, James Cratch, Keith Sargent are here. It's a blizzard, fellas. The snow is going out my window right now. It is going horizontally. It is, it is, it does not look like we'll be leaving the house in a while. So hopefully this will get this podcast will get you through some snow-related days in Jersey. Lots to talk about. We got basketball. The hoops team is back. I mean, I don't know about you guys. I never panicked. Let's be honest here. Come on. We, we, we always knew they'd pull out of this thing. I know, I know the two of you were a little uneasy about what was going on. I understand, but you know, you're not going to call me on that. You were a voice for a, a reason. I mean, that's what basically, yeah, absolutely. A calming there, presence. No, luckily, Twitter, they delete all their tweets and there's no, like, no archive of that. Right. So no, we won't be able to, uh, to, to, to find any of, any of your rational takes on this i I still think it was fair to panic yes i feel dumb because i I was actually the least panicky of everyone (laughs) yeah so so was i i mean i think you know then i kind of jumped a little bit when they lost ohio state the second time no look uh (laughs) they're back on schedule i think that's the most important thing right you know there was some sort of weird little stretch here they just can't have it happen again as we kind of it's february now guys which means soon pretty soon it'll be this is march so yeah, I mean, three straight wins, all of them pretty convincing. You know, I, I, you got to give you got to give Steve Peichel some credit here uh, to make that lineup change when you you know uh, to to bench Jacob Young, who really you know played pretty well in December. If you were making the list of the most important players there, I, I certainly you would include him in the top three. But moving him to the bench and, and putting Gio in a position where the offense is rolling through him, Sarge, it just seems like uh, that was the change that had to happen. Didn't we talk about this a couple of weeks ago? Not to say that, you know, that Steve Peichel listened or, or Brandon Knight or any of the other assistant coaches, but I mean, I, I think we, you know, pointed out that Gio Baker is a point guard. You know, he used to be the one, you know, play, uh, with the ball in his hands and, and the, the offense should be rolling through him. I do think, and I think we might have mentioned this too, I, I didn't think Gio, uh, I think he might have came back too early from the ankle. I mean, I think there's a history with Gio. No he's, a, he's a fierce competitor. Um, and that, that you know, sometimes you, you just have to say, um, you know, to the kid, to the athlete, listen, we've done this before. You know, same, same thing happened, uh, you know, uh, two years ago. Same thing happened, uh, you know, last year when he was injured. And he might have come back too soon. I think he came back too soon from this ankle injury. I think it bothered him. I think he's healthy now. Looks like a completely different player. And you see the, the results. He's playing great. 
Right, those, those little jump shots, those little turnaround, uh, yep. I mean, that's his, his patented bouncing move. Bouncing his step. Yep, yep bouncing his step. He, he, you know, he looks confident again. Uh, I think, you know, again, Jake, Jacob Young off the bench makes a lot of sense, just that little injection of offense. Uh, if I had to make one nitpick, Cratch, and it just drives me crazy. When they started that game against Northwestern, you think, all right, well, this is, you know, they threw the ball on the Miles Johnson. First two possessions, you're like, all right, well, he's gonna, this is going to be the game. He scores 25 and just dominates a bad Northwestern front, front court. He finishes the game with three shots. I'm, I'm just still I still wonder why they can't get him more involved in that offense. It's like that thing that we always talk about in football where like an offense f- figures out that something is working and it's like, okay, this is working. Let's stop doing it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it, it just seems like it's, it's that way, especially on a night where he's not necessarily in foul trouble or he is having this impact. You know, I felt last year we talked about they're almost held hostage game to game by whatever his situation was. Right. And now he's made this major step forward. It's just kind of like, use it, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't get that either. And, you know, I think the other concern you have to have is this is a team that's up 31, 11. And then all of a sudden Northwestern's back in the game, you know, they got to cut out that kind of lull that allows a shaky team to get back in it. That didn't bother me. A lot of people, when we, I'm workers insider, that was a big question from several people, just what, you know, you know, what ha- why did they turn off, turn off what they're doing? I never thought they were going to lose that game. I think the, the thing that concerns me more is that we're still seeing a we're still seeing a Ron Harper who doesn't quite look like the player he was, Sarge, in in, in earlier in the year. I, I don't know if that is as big as of an issue as it feels like it is, but I don't know that they can be as good a team uh, with him playing the way he's playing now. That the 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 ceiling is much lower. Yeah, I'm gonna say something that you know. You, you, we might have been laughing at if I would have said this like uh, two months ago when he was off to a tour start. Mm-hmm. But you know he does not have a fundamentally sound. If you're teaching how to shoot a jump shot, you would not show Ron Harper Jr. Um, really? It's flat. It's a flat jump flat shot. shot. So I think the reason why he's in this uh, you know rut, and he is. I mean, 29 of he's missed 29 of the last 34 three pointers. I think. The reason why he's in this rut is because I, you know, I think that he needs to shoot his way out of it and he needs to find his form. Simple as that. Right, right, and he, yeah, you're absolutely right. He has to keep on, he's keep on shooting, and if, if eventually you would think a guy that talented, it would snap. He'll figure. And, and the good thing is, look, he's you know, last night was a perfect example. He 0 for four. Uh, he abandoned the three point shot and, and and was able to kind of contribute in other ways. So I mean, he's still finding ways to be be productive. Right. All right. I think it's important we talk about uh, Geo Baker making headlines for for some off uh, the court comments, uh, likening the NCAA to modern day slavery. I got to be honest with you, it's not, you know, it, it really didn't strike me as the, the least bit offensive when I first read it. It's certainly, he's certainly not the first person to make that uh, comparison, but on Saturday night, he did go on, uh, you know, after the game and clarified what he was trying to say. And I think, you know, the comments he made after the game were obviously much more, uh, put a lot more thought into it, much more eloquent than just a, a social media post he fired off uh, where, you know, he, he makes the point. I mean, that, you know, I that my my name, image, and likeness are now owned by somebody else, right? And then that is the whole that is the whole issue, Cratch, with college sports right now. That's what everyone. That's what they're fighting for. No, no doubt. And I think that it's especially kind of pertinent and poignant from coming from Geo Baker because, and we've we've written about NIL before. Like, I think there's this common misconception about who's going to benefit from NIL once this all becomes in effect. Geo Baker is one of the few guys at Rutgers who would actually 
have a market change or improvement, you know, his NIL is worth something at Rutgers. And there's not many athletes at Rutgers that can say that. I would argue Gio might be the only guy that could go to a bar downtown and get a significant, you know, sponsorship deal. You know, Gio's the only guy at Rutgers I can think of that could like film a commercial. You know, I think there's kind of this idea that we're going to have NIL and a lot of these, with the exception of, you know, the Trevor Lawrence's and the Justin Fields, you're not going to see a lot of star athletes really benefit from that but Gio is one guy who is there is stuff being left on the table for him because of the current rules he's right they're not fair they, they should have their NIL it's the least the NCAA can do and honestly it's the least the Big Ten can do because look the Big Ten has made it very clear that after the the, the stoppage with football they're just going to go full steam ahead and they're chugging right into this thing in, into March and you know the idea of oh we're going to move the the Big Ten basketball tournament to Indianapolis so everyone can just stay there well if you're Geo Baker and Rutgers you might have to be in Indianapolis for six weeks yeah now, I love St. Elmo's guys but come on <laughs> Six weeks in Indianapolis. You can only do that, you know, yeah. five nights in a in a given week, right? I mean, exactly. that's Elmo's is the, that's five nights is the limit. Yes, absolutely. Because I know we're gonna like we're gonna bubble even before we have to bubble, and this is a, yeah. like it's it's a lot. It's never been more of a business, Sarge. I mean, that's it. That's the whole yeah. thing. And if you if you're denying that now, if you can't like the whole idea that this is amateur sports when you're looking what these what these kids are doing, and as Gio said, for our entertainment, it's, yes, it's correct. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, and uh, you know I've talked to uh, you know Senator uh, Chris Murphy about it, who's been at the forefront of this. Uh, now Chris Murphy, and I was talking to people, you know, in in his orbit. Um, he just wrote a, uh, a pretty big op-ed with Yahoo uh, the other day. Again, I've spoken uh, with him, you know, during the summer. Um, he's uh, done three different reports. He you know vows to to, to pass uh, le- legislation, you know, you know to, to mandate uh, that the NIL that we're talking about is taken out of the college's hands and, 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 and given to the uh, student-athletes' uh, hands, which I, I think would be a good place to start. He's also, uh, you know, talked about uh, uh, making uh, th- them, uh, allowing them to be able to collectively bargain uh, their, their rights and essentially unionize, um, which in that case, you can make an argument. I've heard different uh, people who are inside athletics, if, if that's the case, and become, you know, quote-unquote employees. And if that, they're employees, then you're opening up a can of worms that, you know, again, uh, we could talk about, we could de- dedicate an entire podcast on this and we wouldn't have enough time to talk about it. But basically, if they become employees, then, you know, the whole right, you know, all the rights as far as, uh, you, know, you know, keeping a scholarship from year to year, you know, coaches could fire them, essentially, if, if they're an employee, you know, if they miss a practice or if they, you know, if they skip class or whatever, then they essentially fire them. So I don't know if we want to go down that uh, path. The NIL is long overdue. The NCAA, you know, back in January, again, kicked the can down the road. They had their, um, you know, their, their, their lawyers basically, you know, uh, say that, you know, if we do this, we're, we're opening up a can of worms and, and, and uh, creating issues uh, legally. Um, so they kicked the can down the road again, put it on the back burner, but long overdue. Um, it will happen. Um, and, and again, I think, uh, you know, in, in the next couple months, I think, you know, the, the key is going to be to, you know, give them as many rights as possible. I will argue one thing on what crash said i think there are more than uh, uh more than just geo baker uh, as far as athletes i think uh, you will get some other athletes being able to you know from olympic sports be able to 
uh, get compensation from from camps and, and and that sort of stuff. Christ, you want to add some of that? Yeah, I was gonna say I should have I should have been clear. Like I, I totally agree with you, Sarge. Like I I think that most of the NIL beneficiaries at Rutgers are going to be you know the the Olympic sport athletes. I mean, they got yep. the wrestlers. I mean, Sebastian Rivera could go hold a hold a three hour camp everywhere in New yep. Jersey. Soccer players can. Yep. Soccer players, yep. Mira Ali, you know, field hockey, Gianna Glatz. The one two thing I will add is one, I think it's very important that the NCAA is the big the book big boogeyman in this whole thing. The NCAA is the member institutions. You know, Mark Emmert's just a guy in a suit who gets paid to advocate for his bosses, which are all the colleges around the country and they put on championship events so i think that you know this is something where it needs to dig down to it's the big 10 it's the sec it's the acc like if they pull if they say okay we want to side with our student athletes then it would be a moot point and the ncaa would do what it had to do all right and there's one one in the broader broader picture this is a big issue for college sports it's not going away in the micro issues just for rutgers i think you have to if you're a fan you have to like the fact you've got an athlete like geo baker who is thoughtful who is well spoken on the issue and wants to be a leader in it and a coach in steve peichel who supports him which is, I think, a big deal. All right, let's dive into true or false here, guys. We've got a lot more to talk about football and wrestling and other things, but uh, uh, as always, you know the rules here. True or false, Rutgers is going to be sweating out the tournament bubble in a month. Cratch, true or false? False. Sarge? False. True or false, Rutgers will be safely in, but as an eight seed or lower. Cratch, true or false? True. Okay. Sarge? False. True or false, forget that. This team is going to win six of its final eight games and get a very good seed in the NCAA tournament. Correct. True or false? False. All right. Sarge? True. You think that kind of runs possible? I'm going to go true, too. I think it's possible, and we can talk about it at the end. Uh, true or false, uh, this team can keep winning even with Ron Harper in this current slump. Correct. True. Sarge? False. Um, yeah, I think false, especially when the next two games in Minnesota and Iowa. All right, true or false, forget winning three games. The most impressive accomplishment for Rutgers football this season was just one positive COVID test. Cracks, true or false? True. Sarge? True. It was a nugget from my interview with, with Greg Shannon, which we'll talk about here in a minute. Uh, true or false, $114 million. The financial picture is as bleak as ever for Rutgers. Cratch, true or false? True. Sarge, this is your nugget from the week. True or false? <laughs> Short term, it's really bad. True. True. All right. And finally, true or false? The wrestling team never wins a big match. I'm going to you first, Sarge. True or false? <laughs> <laughs> Scott Cadell's listening. I know he has his own podcast. He can he can rip us on his own podcast. Uh, true, <laughs> Cratch, True or false? I mean, I I know what you're gonna say here. And I, before you even answer the question, I, I just feel like we are constantly in this thing. Like like twice a year, we have this moment where we're like, all right, it's all lining up now. Here comes Ohio State. They've got the right the right weight class, right guys going in. This is gonna be the one where they're gonna beat Ohio State, and we come back and they. They, they never win that match. Am I missing something? I missed one along the years where they won one of these matches. Well, they, they beat Nebraska a few years back when Nebraska, I think, was number four in the country. They, they've had some big dual meet wins. I mean, I think that they're a couple wins over Princeton, especially the one where Ashnault beat Kolodzik. They didn't get enough credit for that because that was a match that Princeton should have won. You know, they almost beat Princeton last year. Again, almost. So right. I, I will say true. I think it's a little bit more complicated than – 
the, the simple question you asked for the purposes of this true false endeavor, but I will say true. He broke the rules. Plenty. He just broke the rules. You say yeah. true, and we'll, we will get to, the, you get to the other We're, side. The headline of this right now is, is, is Cratch does not think Goodell has elevated the program. That's what he's saying. He put him on the hot seat. Put him on the did. hot seat. <laughs> and really I get, like, I understand, like, there's been no program as the national champion, Suriano, Ash, like, I understand the whole thing, but it just seems they like. They did finish top 10 in the NCAA uh, tournament. I get so. that, too. I understand. I just don't know why. When they just never seem to, like, you know, every now and then, they just, just, maybe it's the sport, which, again, I acknowledge I do not follow it closely, don't understand a lot about it, but it just seems like, perception-wise. All right, so let's <laughs> – before I, before I get Barry, Barry wrestling any further. Uh, Sarge, $114 million. Tell us about the story you did this week. Yeah, uh, so there's, the, you know, they've spent an all-time high, $114 million. Um, they, the, the revenue, uh, they're actually uh, conceding a deficit. Uh, so they brought in $103 million in revenue. The um, university subsidy uh, actually went down a little bit. Uh, the student fee went up a little bit. This is all from the 20. Uh, 1920 uh, academic year. Uh, so basically the 2019 football season, which we all knew was going to be a complete disaster from a um, financial standpoint, from a football standpoint. You know, we all saw the tickets and we, you know, we talked about the, the season tickets. We already reported that. Uh, we saw we saw it with our own eyes as far as attendance. We all knew that football revenue was going to be bad. Uh, we talked about it beforehand, like even a year before on whether or not, you know, Pat Hobbs should uh, bring back Chris Ash. Everyone knew it was going to be a disaster it was you know from from a financial standpoint um it was everything that that we envisioned you know there was a lot of severance you know on the books so you know they spent an all-time high 114 million dollars they you know they're still really struggling to 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 uh bring in revenue um you know i i've heard many Rutgers officials say along uh, for a long time that Rutgers doesn't have a spending problem they have a uh, revenue producing problem very true still true um you know the 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 uh, light at the end of the tunnel it has always been the Big Ten uh, full share that was supposed to be in 2021 at the end of this uh, year, fiscal year in, in, in July. They won't get that full check for um, for another uh, at least seven years, but it's probably going to be more because they're you know they're they're borrowing uh, for facilities, other stuff that you know we're, you know we're, we uh, plan on reporting as well. So. Um, you know, <laughs> short term is 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 it's not good. Uh, the scary part, though, Sarge. I mean, the long term thing is an issue because they're not going to have fans in the building for basketball this year. It's an and, issue, and it's, it's not going to be not going to be a full. There's not going to be a full crowd of the football stadium in New Jersey in in September. I'm not. There's I mean, going to be an awakening because you know either you know university is just going to have to come to grips because the faculty's not pleased about it. They, they went to court to, to sue over more transparency as far as what their, you know, all the borrowing is, 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 is you know, is about. And, re, and and their whole point is, look, I mean, you know, athletics, you know, anyone who says that, you know, it's only 2% of the, uh, the, the university overall budget, which isn't true, actually, in, in this uh, fiscal report, it, it shows that it's, it's Eight percent of of the university one point four billion dollar budget, which, again, eight percent. Wow. You want you want to say, well, you know, athletics is still a small piece of the pie, but the faculty will argue that you know tuition keeps on going up, and you know that you know you're laying off uh, you know a faculty left and right, and you know so faculty you know their argument is that you know the the money that they've funneled into athletics you know it does have 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 a um, have an effect. 
Um, I'm not saying that they're right. I'm just saying that at some point there's going to be an awakening because, like you said, they're not. You know, there's going to be a long time before they start bringing in revenue from 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 ticket sales uh, contributions. They're going to be, continue to be down. You know, I, I don't see. And again, the, the big the light at the end of the tunnel as far as a Big Ten distribution, it could be 44 million dollars. You know, in this coming year, which is nothing that sneezed at. But even that's not going to create a dent in the in, in the deficit at this point. All right. It's the other nugget about the one COVID test was my at a, at a an hour long chat with Greg Schiano uh, last week, and uh, you know a lot of th- stuff came out of it, and, and the fact that I still find that remarkable, and that you know they went through this entire uh, entire season essentially with just one positive COVID test, had a lot of problems with the false positives over that period. Uh, some other takeaways from from the, the interview and the conversation, you know, he is really encouraged by the number of players who are sticking around. And I think that is a big, you know, we have been asked that question a million times from, from Rutgers insiders during the course of the year, like who's going to come back. And if you were to make a list of the, you know, the 10 guys they want to pack, I think they probably got nine of them. And that's good from two standpoints. One, they'll have an experienced team at a lot of positions next year, but also, I think he likes it because he's got 17 newcomers in the building, the Hale Center in January. I mean, he's bringing all these guys, you know, he's bringing in an entire, uh, you know, these guys are here now to help this new, uh, this new group understand what his culture, what he's trying to build. Um, so that was a big point he made. And the other point I, I like Sarge, was he, he also said that, you know, as we were having this debate on, on this podcast about whether or not fans should be frustrated and disappointed by them blowing the game, he was on that side. You know, yeah. he was very frustrated by some of those results during the course of the year. And he said so. Like he was, when he looked back on the year, he looked back on it both fondly for what they overcame with COVID, but also he was disappointed in a lot of ways. I thought it was uh, your second most fascinating uh, piece of journalism over the last, uh, you know, week. I mean, great job getting getting the, the football coach on the record. You got two stories, both of them I, I would highly recommend. But the best one I thought was, uh, you know, you're, you're looking for a Super Bowl angle, right? A local Super Bowl angle. And Steve Politti has been covering Super Bowl for many Many years right now. I'm watching him. He's in his Montclair home. Like he has, you know, you know a parka on. I mean, he's literally about to shovel uh, two feet of snow. He should be, in, by all rights, yeah. should be in Tampa. And he found a Super Bowl angle from the uh, Rutgers perspective. Scotty Miller caught the touchdown, you know, at the end of the half against the Green Bay Packers, you know, wide receiver for Tampa Bay. Biggest has a local yeah. angle. Take it away, Steve. Yes. Yeah, so Scotty Miller is now married to. Uh, a Rutgers gymnast. Her name sure. is Jenna Rizkala. Uh, she also happens to be the daughter of uh, a, a, one of our tech support guys. Great guy, Paul, has saved us a million times when we have laptop yeah, issues. Definitely. Uh, so this is the, so they, they met at Bowling Green when they were both freshmen. She transferred to Rutgers uh, and they maintained a long distance relationship for, for, for three years. And what I found fascinating, and, and sorry, I just mentioned well, this. Well, did he transfer to Rutgers too? That, that as well. So this is what, this is what I found great. And I got done with this conversation, talked to them for 45 minutes. Great conversation. He's talking about how he's coming here. They see each other. When she goes out for, for meets out in Penn State, he'll drive out there. He'll drive to campus. Yeah. He's throwing with Art Sikowski on campus. She eventually goes and interns at the football office. So she is working in the football office. For Chris and this, this guy is an NFL prospect. He was drafted in the NFL. And Rutgers and needed wide receivers, right? Rutgers does not have any wide receivers. And the yeah. most remarkable thing is how the hell did that guy not get – how did they not get him to transfer to Rutgers? <laughs> His girlfriend is a gymnast for the team. She works for the football office. 
How did Chris Ash? I mean, what what happened there? And he spent all this time on campus, right? On like, campus wearing a Rutgers t-shirt. We have a picture of him in the rack with a Rutgers t-shirt. <laughs> he caught 23 passes at Bowling Green. How in the world? What? I know he's 5'11". Okay, I get it. He's 160 pounds. He's in the NFL now. In fairness to Scotty Miller, given the track record of Chris Ash era wide receiver development, if he had come to Rutgers, he'd probably be working with Patrick Mahomes because he'd be working at State Farm. I mean, like, you know, so you think probably, it's possible he said no? They well, might ask him. Certainly possibly said no, but like, I'm sure Bowling Green, probably a better place to be a wide receiver prospect than Rutgers, you know, in the past couple of years. Right. Yeah. It worked out for him. Yeah. I guess that's a good point, Crash. Perhaps he, perhaps he's smarter than, than to, to sign up for the, for the offense with Jerry Kill at that point. Can I just uh, say one quick thing about the financials? Yeah, do it. Like at some point, I just think Rutgers has to realize, like, it's like the national debt in Washington. It's never going to go away. Yeah, oh, of course, <laughs> totally agree. Like, with you. There's yeah. no like, because it's not like they could like, it's not like they could pass the hat around and come up with you know eighty million dollars, take a big old dent out of that, you know, like. So yeah, I just think like this is the way, like this is the operation. It, it's the way it's going to be. They do have a revenue problem. Look, they're going to make more money once people can go back to the football games and the basketball team keeps winning. They're definitely going to make more revenue, but they're never going to make all of the revenue possible to overcome this. And what I would say is. I think Sarge is right. There's going to be an awakening, a reckoning. I've I've said this on the podcast before. I'll say it again. The big four sports, men's and women's basketball, you know, football, a big three, I guess, just put them to the side. Maybe wrestling. All the other sports should run through the, through the, the university. That's how you fix this problem. So all that TV money, which, you know, when they put it in the, the financial report, they put it in the lump sum. No, that's, that's football money. So, Put that there and then do everything else on the side. An accounting decision. That's all it is. That would solve the problem. Interesting. All right. Let's dive into some Rutgers insider question, guys. This, this is, we had a bunch of them today. I think people are sitting around in the snow with nothing to do. So I appreciate that. NG.com slash insider to sign up if you haven't already. We've had some good chats too. Sarge, uh, Cratch and Fonseca were on there yeah. talking to uh, basketball guys at the, at, you know, about this stuff. There was, uh, people seem to really enjoy that. So sign up if you haven't. First question, this is a good one. What is the ceiling for Rutgers long-term with Steve Peichel as head coach? Should we expect to compete for Big Ten titles every year, or should we be happy with making the NCAA tournament every other year? You know, it's funny. It's a, it really is a great question. I, I, mean, I don't know that he is, is he necessarily recruiting at the NCAA every year level, but then again, he's got an NCAA team this year, and he, you could say that wasn't those recruits weren't on that level. We want to take some from the first crash. What do you think? What is the ceiling for Rutgers basketball? So, if give me a second here, because it's, I'm going to try to explain this in a simple fashion. I've always thought that Pykele's ceiling would be like, like look at every, like every four years, there'd be like a, a natural year where you're rebuilding. There'd be a year where at the top of your cycle, you know, you're really good. You think you can make the Sweet 16. And then there's like two years in the middle where you're good. Maybe you make the NCAA tournament. Maybe you make the NIT. You just try to get the best out of it. And if you have a a good run, you're going to maybe make the tournament three out of those four years. Look, I think this is going to be a developmental program. I think that – Fans give him a hard time for the recruiting, but as I said in our chat, it's, it's not like his recruiting has been bad, like, 
Ash era bad for football. I mean, he still has Cliff. He's gotten, I believe he signed six of the top 20 recruits in the history of Rutgers basketball. That's not very bad, all things considered. Right. No, that's pretty, that's pretty damn good. Sorry, do you agree? What do you think the ceiling is? No, I mean, the ceiling is, you know, the Final Four, you know, National really? Championship. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, right, Are you but, me? But, uh, why? Because they have a, you know, $115 million facility that's, <laughs> that's, uh, that's gorgeous, and, and they, they don't have any excuse whatsoever from, from the uh, facility standpoint. Haven't been no. determined 30 years, though. But, but, we're talking about the ceiling. What's the ceiling? The ceiling. Okay. Fair. Yeah. If your question is what's the ceiling, then, you know, what's the ceiling? They're, you know, as he always says, you know, if you're competing, they should be able to compete for, for Big Ten championships. If you're competing for Big Ten championships, then you should be competing for a Final Four and National Championships. Simple as that. Right. Well, you can compete, for, but can you compete every year yes. at Rutgers for one? You yes. think so? Every, he can so. recruit at the level where he can beat Michigan. Can he, can he do every, it? Michigan State. I think the jury's out uh, whether or not. I think, you know, uh, initially, I think I kind of look at him as a Jay Wright type uh, where he's going to get the guys who are right below and want to get guys who are going to be four-year guys. Geo Baker is a perfect example. Jay Wright is a master at it. Like Josh Hart, uh, you know, a bunch of guys who, who were not one and done, really hard to do, who are, you know, future pros, but don't leave after one or two years, right? And I kind of think that, you know, that, that's the, 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 the track that he wants to do from a recruiting standpoint. Again, at some point, can you win in the Big Ten uh, long term? Uh, he, he might have to get, you know, the, you know like, like Crash said, you know, Cliff, Cliff is a perfect example, you, who, you know, who was, you know, highly recruited. If you can get more of those types of guys, then, 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 then you know, the Jay Wright comparison goes out the window. Uh, but as far as ceiling, I mean, come on. I mean, you know, can, can they, you know, win the national championship? Absolutely. Right. All right. So this ties into the next question pretty well let's let's take this through uh, uh and an insider wants to know do we know if miles johnson is sticking around next year so would you guys answer that one and answer this let's say he does leave and geo leaves i mean we're, we're, what are you looking at for this team to do next year i mean put it put it in that perspective you, you think you can win the national championship or compete for the big 10 title every year would it compete for it next year in that situation Miles Johnson, I think, is uh, going to need to come back. He's not a true – I don't think he's a true seven-footer. NBA, you know, the game, you know, it's just evolved to a point where, you know, guys who, who aren't uh, perimeter-based, unless you're, you know, just an absolute stud inside, uh, they, they're just not they're, – they're not uh, going to the NBA. Also, free-throw shooting is a, an issue. I mean, you know, he, he is going to have to improve that or else he's going to be a detriment, you know, with, with under four minutes to go in a game, you're not going to be able to play him. So um, – I, I think Miles Johnson is going to going to come back. I think you know um, Geo Baker. I, I think he's going to be the question is going to boil down to. I think he's as good as he's going to be. You know, a year from now, I think Geo Baker is a really, really, really good college player. If he's not a first round pick, does he does he have to come back? Um, you know, I think that's going to be a personal uh, decision. But, but I don't know if he's going to get a whole lot better as far as a you know as an NBA prospect. Yeah, I think his comments on what he thinks about the NCAA may have shed some light on what he what he's going to do after that. Cratch, what do you think on that question? I would say I think Sarge is right. I think Miles probably should come back. Geo, I mean, I think what's tough with the basketball guys is there's so many more ways to make money playing professional basketball yes, than football. You know, we had this talk before the football season ended, and I think we've been kind of proven right. Most of the guys came back just because you didn't look at any of those players and say, okay, they're, they're going to be a second-round draft pick. But a guy like Geo Baker like, – 
I don't think he would be a first round NBA pick. I don't maybe a second round pick if, if a team liked him, but he can go overseas and make really good money yes. playing basketball, you know, all over the world. I mean, you know, CJ Geddes is in England, you know, the China, you know, South America, Asia, you know, R- Russia. I mean, all these places out there, you know, some of them are a little kind of maybe wouldn't want to be there. You know, like I, I know, like you see the little guys, oh, I'm going to go play in, you know, like Chechnya. I'm like, okay, I don't know if I want to <laughs> do that, but you can make money and then good money and have a you know great career overseas. So I think that also is a complication for basketball guys where it makes it tougher to kind of forecast what they're going to do. All right, another question. Any insight on not going deeper in, on the bench with both Miles and Cliff with four fouls? Miles played so timid on D with four fouls that he wasn't very effective. That is true at the end of the Northwestern game. I just get the sense now, Cratch, I don't know if you agree, I just get the sense that he has decided he's playing. This is his eight-man rotation. Everyone's yeah. healthy. And going any deeper now, bringing in some of the freshmen who, who saw action earlier in the season might throw off Kevin mystery more than it'll help. No, I think it's that. I mean, I think it's also, you know, there's there's a, a guy like Dean Ryber, like, has a promising future, but there's a drop-off at this point in time. So you got, got to kind of stick with the guys that you trust. Uh, all right, another one. We've gotten a lot of questions, sorry, just about what happened after Rutgers goes up 30 to 11. Looks like they're cruising uh, before they went to the slide at the end of the first half where they looked absolutely awful. Between that and missing free throws, it will hurt them in the close games against good teams. Are you concerned at all by some of these lapses you're seeing from this team? I'm concerned about the free throws. I mean, we've talked about I don't know any other way to put it. I think, you know, the free throw that lapses, I, you know, watching basketball long enough, I mean, you know, you know yeah, they weren't going to score. Game of runs. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah you know, they, 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 that's going to happen. Northwestern's, you know, you know, has decent talent. They can shoot, you know, the, the three-pointers, the great equalizer. So, I mean, I could see, you know, how a team like that can can, can uh, get back into a game like that. But the free throws are, are you know, it's going to be the thing that when, you know, when we look back on, okay, well, why did they, you know, did, did they lose here or why, what, what happened? It's gonna, more than likely it's going to be because they, 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 uh, they had an issue at the free throw line. All right, a couple of uh, football questions from Alex M. Alex wants to know, is it just me or is this football roster, even without knowing the depth we'll add from grad transfers, really looking like a viable Big Ten roster? I mean, Cratch, we, you know, we saw what it did last year with the newcomers. Are you, are you going to put it in the viable Big Ten roster category? Yes, I think they're definitely getting to a point where they have viable Big Ten you know, caliber talent and depth. That being said, I don't know how far we want to go into this. I don't think that's necessarily going to result in another big jump in 2021 from the big jump they took, obviously, from 19 to 20. But they're getting there. I just don't know if it's going to immediately pay off just yet. Alex also wants to know, he says he's the guy banging the Sikowski drum. I will admit, after Art's couple of games, while they were okay, it's clear now why the staff sees Vigil as their QB1. Any chance that Vigil is not the starter for game one? think it's a very slim chance do you agree Sarge yeah I, I think Vedril's gonna be the starting quarterback just based on everything that we've seen uh getting back to the the first question what I like you know you touched on it before all the guys he's bringing back I said going into until last season they had Big Ten talent in their starting you know 11 on both sides of the football problem is you know it's a long season and this season proved it when you have nine Big Ten games you're going to get beat up and they didn't have the depth um that being said I think this is 
been Greg Shannon's plan all along. Bringing some some grad transfers immediately helped you know the 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 you know the the top end of the roster, and then you know try to you know develop uh, your your recruits. He's uh, it, it, from his interview with you and from talking to him as well and in, in, in press conferences, he seems to be very high on both the the first recruiting class and this current one that he's bringing in. Um, I think you know couple the the. Again, the guys who have come back who are going to be, you know, fifth year, some, some sixth year seniors who are going to be, you know, Big Ten uh, players, you know, cal- caliber st- uh, starters with the depth that he's adding. I think, you know, it's probably going to be the most, uh, you know, promising roster that they've had since they joined the Big Ten. All right. Here's a uh, recruiting question. It kind of ties into that pretty well. Recruiting seems to have stalled for Shannon's 2021 class and Peichel's 2021 and 2022 classes. Any updates on high targets? Hard to say it stalled with Peichel's 2021 classes. Best player for that class is sitting on the bench. Am I like, wrong? Uh, but uh, Cratch, what about the, you did a couple interesting um interesting recruiting stories one on the 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 quarterback from arizona with florida state and it looked like that they're trying to get involved in some in some other high profile quarterbacks too what's going on yeah so i nico markiel i think i said the name right he committed to florida state on sunday but it was kind of this i was very intrigued by because here's a kid you know kid from with long hair from arizona who doesn't have ruckers in his top eight and then all of a sudden has ruckers in his final four so obviously, what the hell does the long hair have to do with it? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I don't know. Kind of, okay, it was okay. like a Trevor Lawrence thing, you know? Like, oh, okay, oh, that's where it. I was coming from. Yeah, no, that that's all. It's just that's that's where it came from. I probably should have explained that better. But anyway, um, so that I talked to his quarterback coach, and you know, it sounded like look, obviously, like the kid went to Florida State. You know, it was one of those things where the coach even said, you know, out there when he announced his Final Four, people were like, okay, we get Florida, we get Florida State, we get Arizona State. Oh, what's a Rutgers, you know, but it, it sounds like Greg Schiano and Sean Gleason did a really good job, you know, building a relationship with the kid, um, you know, got, you know, got to the point where it was legitimate, although he chose Florida state, but the important takeaway I had was in this weird kind of 2022 COVID recruiting world, when quarterbacks commit so early, you have a situation where spots start filling up and some of these guys who maybe weren't, you know, at the top of the heap early on. So they've been able to kind of be noticed as these guys get to camps in the summer, you know, hopefully there are camps and people start to be able to go to campus again, you might have top level quarterback recruits, potentially even four star kids who don't have a place to go later in the process. And here's a school like Rutgers that has playing time available for them and desperately needs to get a quarterback in the 2022 class. I could see a situation where Rutgers kind of maybe luck isn't the right word, but they are in a position to grab a top quarterback recruit down the stretch that you wouldn't have thought they would have been in position to get otherwise. It is interesting that they're opening it up to, to, to you're right, to different states and, and broadening it out. I know they have the, what is the kid from Timber Creek? Isn't he we're, their top, one of their top uh, football? Donovan Leary, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so um, it'll be interesting to see if they, if they add, if, they, if you're right, if they do add one from uh, someplace else. All right, here's a good one for you, uh, Sarge. I feel like Pat Hobbs has been quiet lately. <laughs> What's he up to? And I guess, I don't know, my first thing I would say is like, you know, he's kind of ADs are supposed to be quiet. You know, I mean, I, when you have a football coach who's, who's the, high, the, the, you know, the, the face of the program and your basketball coach is doing a great job, but well, you talked to him recently, so what is Pat Hobbs up to? 
yeah, I mean, I, you know, I talked to him for 20 minutes the other day um, about a, a wide range of uh, topics, um, mostly about the Rodkin Center, which I just opened up, you know, a, a facility, you know, it's an academic uh, uh, building mainly for the entire athletics department, but it also has the uh, men's and women's lacrosse teams and the men's and uh, women's soccer teams. You have seen the videos. I mean, you can look at the videos, you know, it looks like a beautiful building cost about 70 million dollars and um everyone's really happy about it it's the latest you know uh, you know in, in, in their facility plans but he also talked about what's going on with the football facility and um that's been quiet you know for, for, for the past year and obviously because they haven't been able to really fundraise a whole lot but you know, as we reported right before the pandemic ha- happened, right before the Big Ten tournament was canceled, but they signed a, a deal with a, a infrastructure firm that's going to create a master plan, facilities master plan. That report will be coming out in the next couple months. Pat Hobbs says that once that report comes, they plan to fundraise off that. That's where you're going to see the the plans for the first time of the football building, the $150 million football building more than likely. Um, in the meantime, the Hale Center is completely – the football program completely occupies the Hale Center. Um, so they're going to do some modest – you know, relatively modest improvements there, probably a player uh, lounge, uh, something to that effect. And all you have to do is have, have a conversation with Pat Hobbs, though. And he is – you know, talks about the vision of all the things that he wants to do. He wants to do, you know, uh, improvements inside SHI Stadium, inside the rack – fan-friendly stuff, you think, uh, you know, lounges, think, you know, like a lounge down, uh, you know, on the court where the media center is, he wants to do something like that. Inside the rack, he wants to utilize some of the space that, that the newfound space that they have from the offices that were taken out in the rack. He wants to do, you know, some, some more lounges on, you know, on the other side of the stadium uh, where the media bo- uh, press box is currently. He wants to bring in revenue that way. So long-term in the next 10 years, I think he wants to, to, to bring, drive more revenue with fan-friendly fan experiences. Um, you know, I think, you know, he's even talked about, you know, baseball, softball at some point, and this might be in the, in the you know, in the master plan, you know, the, both of them getting, you know, a, a 3,000 seat stadium, you know, so, so something to that effect. So he really does have a lot of different uh, visions for, for, for where, he want, where he wants to go. You know, I, you know, I, again, I, you know, I, I scratched at the surface on, on some of the reporting of that, but I think he really does have some uh, pretty big grand facility plans. Yeah, that's what happens in the background. All right, good, good update. That's good to hear. Final question, and this is like I didn't have a good answer for this. Maybe one of you guys do. What is a memorable Rutgers snow event for you? <laughs> I was trying to think about this, Sarge. There hasn't been one. What was the game like against West Virginia where where it snowed on the way home and like a late October game? Well, maybe? yeah, there's two. two. Um, the obviously the Legrand West Virginia. Game of course, that's the Legrand yes. yes. against West Virginia, which I actually I had a wedding that day, so I didn't even go. One of the you know biggest Rutgers games. You know, Sports Illustrated called it their event of the year, and and yeah, yeah I wasn't there, but you know that you got was. Married. Um, uh, yeah, you know, a, a uh, an in-law. So you know, okay. but my 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 youngest daughter was a part of the wedding party, so I couldn't uh, have missed it. Right. Um, but yeah, I I think that comes to mind. That was an October, you know, really freakish uh, snowfall event. The other one is uh, the the infamous uh, Snowgate game, I guess, where Rutgers basketball played against Marquette. Uh, Gary Waters got stuck in, in, you know, at Kent State, wasn't able to get back. Freddie Hill coached the game. That was a game that a lot of people pointed to, that, oh the reason God. why Bob Mulcahy hired about Freddie that. Hill. Yes. That was, you know, and I covered that game. There were other media people who, who, who weren't able to get there. I did, uh, you know, uh, trek, you know, the, the eight miles through, uh, you know, 
uphill both ways, I think. Do you want to hear a funny story about that game? I was in Turin for the for the Olympics. Yeah. And I was there. This is when Adrian Wojnarowski was the columnist. You know, if you don't know who Woj is now, oh. obviously yeah. you know he is the, the the biggest NBA expert on the planet. He back then he was the columnist for the Bergen Record. And he, you know, I mean he was like he was just a notorious uh, fireball thrower at the Scarlet Knights. And so we were both in like the media center at the Turin Olympics. And I forget what I was covering. I think I was covering curling that day. And I said, I said to Woj, what are you doing today? He's like, I'm going to write Rutgers basketball. You're not going to write Rutgers basketball. I'm like, I mean, Woj, I'm in Italy. I'm going to, to cover the Olympics. This is what I cover. Be- so I, you know, he completely destroyed uh, everyone involved with Rutgers during that. And I had a, com- I had a completely BS column about curling. So he did, he made the right decision. <laughs> His career has been a little bit on a, a different trajectory than mine. And that was, that was one example perhaps of why, okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead and finish your, finish your. No, that story. was, you know, those two games come, come to mind though. Those are the first. And yeah. And I just remember, you know, a few times where the bubble has come down, you know, and, and, and you know, having yes. to call you know, school officials because the bubble has come down, it's popped and whatever. And, you know, a couple of times they weren't able to get it, to get it back. So you worry now, like, you know, this is a pretty bad storm with high winds and, and, you know, is it going to be able to survive? Is Graciano, you know, in his quest to maybe speed along the facility out there with a knife, <laughs> trying to you know, cut it down. Hey, look, guys, it's down. We got to build the, the 150 now, the $150 million oh, facility. Got to build it. Is he out there right now? I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Good stuff. I have a, it's, not, it, it's <laughs> Rutgers related. But it's not like Rutgers athletics. So I want to say, I can't remember what year it was. I was covering high schools. It was the, the Sunday, last Sunday of the state championship football games at High Point Solution Stadium, I guess it was called at the time. And it was going to snow, but it was like, well, it's supposed to snow like later in the day. So we get there and uh, typical Rutgers parking situation. The Scarlet lot is empty, but they're saying you have to park. The media has to park on that like patch of grass to the side. I, I don't think it's there anymore. And I told the guy, I said, well, it's going to snow later today and it's going to get muddy because there have been two you know, other games there that weekend and all our cars are going to get stuck. And the guy's like, no, I promise you it's not going to happen. Long story short, um, my car didn't get stuck, but I believe Steve Falk from the APP, his car got stuck, and Rutgers had to call and bring, like, a tow truck in, you know, some guy <laughs> wake him up in the middle of the night to pull out his car at the end of the day. But anyway, so uh, I cover the game. Uh, I stayed for, like, the first half of the game. It starts to snow. I get out of the Rutgers parking lot. As I'm walking to my car, guy, guy goes, hey, be careful. You might get stuck. And I'm like, oh, really, buddy? You think so? And I had a little tiff mm-hmm. with the guy. And I said, we, we said, who made you park here? I'm like, the guy standing next to you. And that guy was like, ugh. Anyway, uh, long story short, I get out of the parking lot, get on 287. It's really bad. And uh, some random high school is playing in the state final. And at, at halftime, I guess a bunch of the kids left in their dad's uh, sports car. They were going, like, way too fast. And they literally drove under my SUV. So I was Whoa. all of a sudden stuck on 287 with an accident. And, and, and a total – everyone was okay, thankfully. But uh, their, their little sports car was folded up. Holy cow. Yeah, the, the other one, the more fa- one of the more famous ones I thought you were going to mention was Rutgers-Princeton uh, when they had that outdoor wrestling match over, you know, in, inside the football stadium. It was gorgeous. It was like 75 degrees. Couldn't have had a better outdoor uh, weather for, for a wrestling match. Then, then they played a football game afterward. And by the end of the football game, it was just Jersey weather. It just it had changed to the point where it actually snowed, uh, you know, in, in, in the late stages of that football game. So, you know, wow. another one of those 70 degrees at one point, and then all of a sudden it's snowing at the end of the day. 
Good stuff, guys. All right. Well, I think we covered it all. Anything else you want to add before we sign off for the week? No. 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 Was, all right. No, I, good. I think. Yeah. yeah I think I'm good. Everyone, thanks for listening. We'll be back in a, soon to discuss the latest developments with the basketball team. Steve Plitty, James Cratch, Keith Sargent, signing off. Thanks. Thanks.